This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. How can we only be 12 podcasts into the new season and we're already beginning to have crisis talks about this year's Premier League title? We were still looking on the bright side as late as Christmas in City's previous unsuccessful defences under Roberto Mancini and Manuel Pellegrini, but now Pep Guardiola seems to have City on the ropes by October. Injuries, poor form, mistakes and more injuries seem to be causing no end of problems for the champions right now, while over on Merseyside there seems to be the rub of the green with goalkeeping errors and dodgy penalties galore. We're not bitter, honest. <laughs> on this week's Blue Moon podcast, we'll be trying to work out why City looks so toothless against an organised Wolves team and what options the manager could try after the international break to find a solution. With City probably needing a double over Liverpool to hold themselves back into contention, we'll be looking at the last time that happened. And not to worry, but the chances are not a single one of you listening to this was born at the time. As VAR has had another less than quiet week, we'll be assessing its impact in the Premier League, plus Howard Hawking is on the show later on as well, and we've got your questions in Ask the Panel. I'm your host David Mooney, and with me in the studio I've got a pair of books. Back from Berlin, we've got uh, Dan from One Football. Hello. And his uh, dad, Guy. Hello, everyone. You won't know this, Dan, um, but back <laughs> when we used to share a, a studio at uh, in Stockport, when me and Sam Roscoe worked in the same office and we'd chat a lot more about the podcast, um, he always used to say, who's uh, who's on this week? And uh, the the joke would always be, oh, we've got that big Burke on again. <laughs> and it'd be, uh, because, you, you know, six foot, what, six foot seven? Six foot six, I would say, something like that, if I'm being sort of reasonable yeah yeah so you, you struggle in most <laughs> I am a big Burke yeah, yeah. yeah. in well, most my, places my primary school teacher used to say Burke by name Burke by nature oh, so, you know I'm used to this sort of stuff yeah so I, I'm sorry I don't I don't mean to offend but, you know non-taken non-taken uh, right I'm just deflecting from from what happened at, uh, at weekend because the title no picture right now it's a bit grim um, City eight points behind Liverpool after eight games what guy what's your immediate feelings about it Oh, uh, it's tough. Going to be tough, isn't it? From here, I mean, they look like they're not going to drop points anywhere, do they? I mean, the next game's United away, United at home. No, United away. United at so, yeah. there at Old United at Old Trafford. Um, it's it's one of those, isn't it? United's got to pull a result out somewhere. It's their big game, Liverpool. Could it possibly happen? But. I'd, I'd very much doubt well, it. The form guide doesn't I'd very much it. And doubt then Spurs it. doesn't look like it's going to do exactly, any yeah, there, Exactly, either. another one. So, you know, City's probably going to have to beat them home and away and virtually not drop any points between now and the end of the season. So it's going to be a tough one, but who, who, who says it can't happen, really? I mean... Well, that's the thing. I mean, Dan, it is eight games into the season. Yeah, like, very it, There's still 30 games left. Yeah, I mean, I'm extremely pessimistic about it, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, however, I, you know, people are saying you don't see Liverpool dropping points anywhere. They are going to drop points. Yeah. I don't know how many games they will lose. I would probably say they've probably got two or three defeats in the end of the season. I think surely at some point the luck is going to have to run out a bit. I know it's not all luck. I'm not saying for one second that they're just being completely fluky every week. Because they obviously are. They, they are getting the rub of the green, as you said, in the top of the show there, for sure. Um, and I think they're going to have to have some sort of injury problems at some point. Van Dijk has got to get an injury at some point. I don't wish injuries on players again. If, if, just, if he doesn't, then Dan's going to be around his house with a baseball bat at some point, aren't you? You just think the sort of, you know, the law of averages dictates that it's got to happen at some point. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I am expecting Liverpool to drop points at some point. The my big issue is the the sort of trajectory. Trajectory. It's a very Gary Cook word that, that I can't really say. <laughs> uh, trajectory of results isn't really going in the right way, and yeah. you know 
with the, the sort of defensive issues and stuff, I just see City dropping more and more points as well. So The issue with this title race, guys, is that Liverpool lost once all of last season. It was yeah. City that did it. Um, yeah. Will draws in their games be enough? Because even if City won home and away, Liverpool City, City then need Liverpool to drop one more game and then match them for the rest of the season. Possibly so, because I mean, they draw, how, did they draw five games last season? It was the draws last season. That yeah, did the, draws, the draws what I did. I was saying only lost one game. Um, so... Possibly so. There is a lot of it. It's just, I mean, to be quite honest with you, Sunday's result wasn't a total shock, I didn't think. I think there's been a result, you know, Everton the week before was a bit laboured, possibly could say a little bit fortunate to go ahead with a free kick the way he did because the game looked like it was sort of peaching out. It was out really in the draw. balance at that point. Yeah, it looked like, you know, you're looking, you're looking with, I don't know, 65 minutes on the clock, you're thinking, this looks like a draw, this. And just handle for that, and and there's been other sort of games as well, where obviously Norwich away and things like where it's just not happened at all for whatever reason. So I mean, Sunday, I mean it wasn't totally desperate. They had good chances in the first half to go ahead. Probably should have converted at least one of those. Uh, the Davis Silver free kick that hit the bar. Um, you know, one of those. You know, a goal goes in. It's a totally different game. But Wolves, I mean, it's the third season on the trot. We've, we've really struggled against Wolves. I mean, you remember the League Cup game two years ago? Um, very fortunate City to go through on penalties that night. And um, I think last last Molyneux season, game last season Molyneux was... at home, uh, Molyneux away. Sorry, yeah, they, they they got a draw and probably you know draw was a more more than fair result and probably. Um, Wolves could have possibly nicked that. The home game against Wolves last season, I mean, it was a little bit fortunate. It was a bit of a contentious goal City got. I know it was a red card. It was a red card. Red card, yeah, yeah. No, like it sort of turned minutes the game so. a bit, yeah. Yeah, so I think I think Wolves, I think Wolves have got a little bit of a sort of Indian sign over City in recent recent games. So But it's as you say, it's still October. It's October <laughs> the ninth today and it's you know, it's ridiculous to be talking, even with eight points now, to be talking about it all being over and um Liverpool's luck has got a turn. I'm not going to. So, I'm not going to make you put your money where your mouth is. So don't no, worry about no, that. No, no. Um, Dan, we gave we gave Norwich credit for for stopping City and, and blocking the space and playing well. Wolves did pretty much the same thing. There's starting to be a pattern developing there. Now. <laughs> yeah. The, well, the the weird thing about Wolves is I, I looked at their lineup before the game and they were playing two men up top and they had Adamatore and uh, is it Ruben Vinagra as the, the wing backs and I thought these are going to get taken wide apart. open, isn't they? Going to get taken <laughs> apart by City today. And it just never happened. I mean, I don't think it was necessarily a. It, it was a, a great tactical uh, sort of masterclass from from Nuno Espirito Santo. But I, I think a lot of it relied on City being quite poor on the day. To be honest with you, but well, you do... the, the midfield, the midfield pair was mm. Gundogan and Silva, which mm. was the same as it was at Norwich. Mm-hmm. Is there anything to be taken from maybe those two don't really work together? Definitely, yeah. I, I mean, I read there was some stats that I read on Twitter the other day, and I, I can't for the life of me recall what they were. But the stats from those two playing together are not good at all. So there is a bit of a pattern, and it is turning into perhaps you might call it a bit of a blind spot for Pep Guardiola that he's not really seeing that this thing just isn't working. I mean, I like Gundogan as a player. The thing that I've always said about Gundogan is when it's going well, he's great. When it's not going well, he's not so great. He doesn't really offer an awful lot. Um, I mean, when it's going badly, my sort of idea, my my first thought is always let's take Gundogan off and put someone yeah, else on. Yeah, yeah. I would have taken him off and put Bernardo Silva on at half time of the the Wolves game the other day, really. Um, and yeah, it's just you know, as you say, the Wolves were able to sort of shuttle City out to the wide flanks. There was a lot of aimless crossing going in. Um, it just wasn't really 
working and I didn't really expect City to score a goal. I expected that game to finish nil-nil or lose as we did and yeah, it was disappointing in the end. Yeah. Gundogan gets a lot of flat, Guy. Um, is it all his fault, the fact that it's, no, like, of course it's a bit not. slow? Of course it's not. I mean, it's um, you look at his performances last season, certainly towards the end of the season and he was, you know, he was arguably the best player last uh, however many games he played, eight or nine games. Um I mean the injured city's injuries it's it's impossible not to put some sort of blame on the the injuries cities have suffered this year absolutely horrendous bad luck with injuries I mean it was bad enough company not being there anyway although he wasn't a regular first team starter for most of last season the season before but then you've got the linchpin of defense knackered after five games or whatever um De Bruyne although again didn't play last season but we were looking for a big season from him this season and he's out hopefully not for too long a week or two maybe but you're going to miss players of that quality you know any, Sane any team. as well no one's talking Sane, about Sane exactly Sane yeah. I think I think Sane I think a lot of people um, kind of assume he wouldn't be here if yeah he was fit, myself included he? thought he probably would have gone in the last transfer window anyway so maybe not so much but I said the other day to someone imagine Liverpool without Van Dijk uh, Salah and one of the fullbacks not in the team, and they, they, they wouldn't be top, they wouldn't yeah, be top of the league. They, they wouldn't be eight points ahead certainly at the moment with, with you know with, with with that sort of injury thing. So you know the injury luck has got to turn somewhere along the line surely. And I'm gonna in City's favour. I'm gonna look at the injuries now because um, as one of his biggest fans, Dan mm. um, Nicholas Otamendi's not exactly <laughs> had uh, a week to cover himself in glory, has he? Not at all. No. I mean, yeah. Regular listeners to the show will know that I used to uh, perhaps be the only person who ever stuck up for Otamendi, and I think he he vindicated me somewhat in 17-18. But he's uh, he's certainly undone a lot of goodwill so far this season. Uh, I mean, the way he dived in for that first goal against Wolves at the weekend was atrocious. Um, you know, he's had a tendency to do that throughout his whole career, so it didn't really come as a huge surprise. Um, even before that point, he was defending badly. He was dreadful at Norwich as well. Um, I mean, he's playing out of necessity, isn't he? I think he wanted to leave in the summer. Um, he wasn't able to in the end because they couldn't sign a, a, a company replacement without getting rid of him first. It just didn't really sort of fall so into many, place. So many pieces didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's sort of there, and he's being played because Guardiola has no other choice. Um I mean, when after the international break, Stones is going to be fit again, isn't he? Mm, I would have Stones and Fernandinho yeah. as the centre backs if it, was, <laughs> if it was up to me. Yeah, I've lost all faith in 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 Nottamendi, unfortunately. I mean, I, I was gonna I was gonna talk about this because when Stones is back, guy, mm. you would you would instinctively say, well, actually, Fernandinho probably needs to play in midfield, maybe. You would have thought so, wouldn't you? Because Otamendi's better when he's got Fernandinho in front of him. So is yeah. that is that not a is that not a viable option? I would have thought so, but I'm not the manager, of course. Um, <laughs> of course, Mr. Stones is 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 far from reliable as well a lot of the time. That's so the tr- that's true. It yeah, does. It does point. sort of. You do, you do sort of. You know, if it was uh, Laporte coming back, then yeah, you'd, you'd start to sort of think, yeah, things can be up to him. But, but John Stones, much to like him and admire him as a player, a little bit iffy, should we say, at times. So he could just. Who knows. It could just be the making of him come off the hour. Would you maybe even come the man? Would you maybe even consider Garcia or Harwood Bellis? Well, I mean, this is the this is there's a lot of. I mean, I've only seen both players play. Well, Garcia played last season, sorry, but but Howard Bellis the other week at Preston. I went to Preston. Absolute class, class act. It's kind of sink or swim time, isn't it? player on the pitch. It's against Preston, though, wasn't it? It's against Preston, yeah, and it's it's one of them, and it's but you know it's. You have, like you say, 
they've got to be blooded at some point. Perhaps sometimes adversity is the best sort of way forward. And I'm, you know? I, like, I'm not and advocating just, just throwing them in there for the rest no, of the season. No, no. Maybe two or three games. Just yeah, get... but they are. I mean, they're obviously they're not. They're highly rated by everyone, and it's not like the the total rookies who sort of know sort of even limited experience behind them at all. They're not totally sort of come out of the the woodwork. These are uh, Howard Bellis is a England under eighteen, under nineteen international. Yeah, under 19, I think, yeah. uh, Garcia's Spanish, Spanish in, yeah. under twenty one international yeah, things like that. I think so. so you know they're not total sort of wet behind the ears rookies. Maybe it's time. Maybe maybe through necessity. He's going to have to play one of them. Or it's, maybe it's, a, of them. An amazing, it's amazing sometimes just the impact you can have on the crest of that, you know, the wave of being thrown in, yeah, doing a, yeah, a good job can. for a couple of games, then pull them out and get that effect. Could, could have the, you know, boost the whole team, something yeah. like that. And obviously, I mean, talking totally different position again, but Phil Foden, I mean, he's... You know, he's when he came on like last five minutes of the European game last week and then scored, as it turned out. I mean... You know, when's he going to get a, anything like a half decent run at the first team? It's you know, just on that Fernandinho point, Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, with Fernandinho in the back four, there is a massive Fernandinho-shaped hole in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, what's Rodri not doing that Fernandinho does do? Because we've all said that Rodri started really well. Yeah, he, he is. He is starting well. I, I like him a lot. Um, I love the way he, he takes the ball in tight positions and lays it off and stuff like that. I don't think he's really got. I mean, Jack Gorm wrote a really interesting piece in the week. Um, for the mail where he was talking about how uh, uh, Rodri was so used to playing in a sort of two-man midfield at Atletico Madrid. Now he's having to adapt to a different pace of football with a one-man midfield and he's stepping up at the wrong time sometimes. I mean, both the goals the other week, where was the midfield on that point? You know, the, the, those three chances they gave away in the first half, the midfield went AWOL as well. So I think Rodri's not quite got to grips with that yet. He's he's going to get to grips with it eventually. I think Mikel Arteta's working really hard with him on the training ground, on his position and stuff. But you don't really have time at a club like City to kind of take your time bedding into things. You've got to hit the ground running. In many ways he has done, but I think... You know, you've seen a few games. Norwich is the other example, I think, where he's not really shielded the back four in the way that Fernandinho does. He doesn't really been turned boss, very easily. Boss that well. midfield, he gets turned. Yeah, he's he's quite slow on the turn, um, and it's costing us points. And you do sort of wonder, maybe it's time if he sort of plays second fiddle to Fernandinho for a little while while he's still, you know, ironing out these flaws in his game. You can't do that if Fernandinho's in the back four. That's the no, problem. you can't. But then you know, thinking about it. Stones and Otamendi's greatest period together was in the first half of 17-18 season where they were amazing. Maybe that partnership could be reignited and Otamendi will calm down a little bit and <laughs> get his brain back there. I don't know what, what's happened to that. You would say that as the as the de facto Otamendi fan yeah. on the show though, so uh, we, we have to be careful with that. Um, I want to talk about the, the fullbacks as well because I thought it was a bit odd that Joe Cancelo started at, at left-back uh, given there were two possible left-backs that were available and, and, and didn't feature. Um, how did he do? Not great, I didn't no. think. Left back anyway. I mean, Not he rich. was getting turned by Adama Traore in the first half quite often. Um, I mean, I just didn't see the point of that really because he had two left backs on the bench um, and he took Walker off at half time and said afterwards that Walker had a, a virus, was it? And yeah. wasn't feeling too well, yeah. an infection or something. Like, why I, thought just Walker, start... I thought Walker played quite well first half. I thought he was all right, well. yeah. I, yeah, and, yeah. For a man who was full if, of vomit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> if, if, if you know he's not well, start Cancelo at right yeah. back, his natural position. Yeah. Start Zinchenko or even Angelino at yeah. left back. Mm. Maybe the result was different. I'd you know, want. maybe it, 
It pans out a bit differently. I don't know. Is, is a, Mendy injured again, by the way? He got a hamstring injury. He'll be back yeah, after the international yeah. break. But oh. as we said at the weekend, they didn't say when after the international <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, break, did yeah, they? Yeah, it could which, be Christmas yeah. or something. <laughs> it could be next World yeah. Cup or something like that. Yeah. The thing is, though, Cancelo was better on the right-hand side. I thought he, I thought he looked a lot more settled on that side. Yeah, reason, reasonably enough. I mean, it's, it's one of those games where, I mean, I sort of um, was out on the Saturday night and didn't get in... I shouldn't be doing things like this at my age. Didn't get him till 3 a.m. And woke up about half past 10 and was tempted to think, well, I won't bother going. And I, the, the players on the pitch looked like they'd been out till 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and were tempted at half past 10 to think, I won't bother playing. It just seemed a totally off-kilter, um, undercooked sort of performance the all sense, around. From, from, from as Guardiola says, you could smell it. Yeah, like, mm. like, half, like I think I said, the chances the first half, they were sort of like, half-hearted efforts on goal which he probably should have put away and probably on another another better day would have put them away and it was just the whole I don't know the whole sort well, of I had thing. really bad vibes about the game from the moment Liverpool got that penalty the day before yeah, that's, I, was yeah. Like, I can see where this weekend's yeah, well, I was, going I was, I was listening. I was listening to the radio and um, and I was thinking right it's three Yeah, they're down to a point today and City get it back to three tomorrow I was already counting the points in hand yeah. sort of thing which is fatal isn't it and uh, there you go what were you, do- what were you doing Saturday night? Oh, some old revival disco, like an all night <laughs> rave, indie disco night, which was you know far too. Uh, shouldn't be doing stuff like that. <laughs> um, just a, another word on the injuries, because guy, you mentioned it before. Um, City spent most of last season without De Bruyne. They've mm. not had Mendy for for yeah. God knows how long yeah. now. Ever, um, yeah. It just it it feels to me like what this season so far is proving that you know, take one or two players out of the city team they're still a great team but take them all out at once yeah, and you've got that's problems. it that's the difference yeah that is the difference i mean city, they've got strength in depth but they haven't got any depth at the it, moment it's not yeah, exactly it's how deep is the depth and as i say they really sort of you are sort of thinking they get another injury then we really are struggling you know bernardo or someone like that and edison's the one that so, i worry about the most Give it a week. Well, yeah. <laughs> if, he, if he got injured, it's over, isn't well, it? Well, yeah, over. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. See, we thought that about Alisson, but apparently not. Well, yeah, he's <laughs> no, done all right. Yeah, yeah, in his place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe Bravo could be. Uh, <laughs> re- that, that's, song. That's the redemption. There's more story. chance of Otto Mendy finding <laughs> his brain Scott, again. I think. Yeah, Scott Carson coming out of the. Uh, you know, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> Um, one one other one other kind of question I wanted to ask about the uh, the Wolves game. It seems that we, you mentioned before there was a lot of crosses going in that game. When City mm. put in a lot of crosses in games, they generally games that they've lost. They mm. put in a lot of crosses against Palace. They put yeah. in a lot of crosses against Leicester, and again against Wolves. It seems to be that kind of oh well, we've not nothing else we're doing is working. Why is it that it, that, that kind of that they kind of slipped to that? Because normally you think of Guardiola's best spells at City. They have this belief that they'll carry on playing the way they play and they'll yeah. get through. Very he strange. He can't yeah. be telling them to do that, surely. That's he know, not because he knows it's not the strength. Yeah. No. So why, why, yeah, why is he allowing it to happen from yeah. the from the touchline? Uh, plus, you got you got you had three wolves centre backs, three uh, six foot four, six foot five yeah. uh, against. That. I mean, I don't know if it's me, but it seems to me like Aguero's been set up as some sort of target man this year, some sort of <laughs> some sort of Steve, a miniature version of Steve Bull or something. And uh, because he's he has been, he's, he's he's getting his head on quite a few oh, yeah, crosses yeah. this year, hasn't he? Which I've, I've never really noticed in previous years. But it helps to have De Bruyne um, on the pitch for these crosses as well. Because well, yeah, he can swing yeah, balls, of course he does. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. No one else can really do that. I mean, Gundogan's corners were terrible at the weekend. Yeah. He was taking some yeah. really bad ones. Yeah, 
And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a funny thing because you, you look at the players on the pitch. Actually, you'd say Mares. His, I think Mares' delivery is quite good. Um, yeah. Raheem Sterling normally is, is full of cutting edge. Yeah. Just could not find the space to get in behind. No. no. I mean, I can't for the life of me um, see why he took Mares off when he did in no. that game the other day. For me, one, that yeah. game was crying out to leave him on, take Gundogan mm. off, put Bernardo Silva on. Mm. Someone said that Bernardo Silva hasn't played central midfield since the Liverpool win last season when he ran like 14k and had yeah. the game of his life uh-huh. he's been on the flank every single time he's played since then mm-hmm. it just seems I tweeted during the game the other day and I I think it's quite a good point I think Guardiola's like a really good coach but as a manager I think he leaves yeah. a lot to be desired sometimes I think his game management and his subs are often quite poor mm-hmm. but that's, I mean that's another thing that he surely because he's he's so in control of everything you would mm. think at some point he would have he would have made that connection actually the changes mm. I'm making are not mm. working mm. and normally at that point what does he do I mean for what when he's had those sorts of problems at City he normally turns to Arteta or uh, mm. or, or it was Dominic Tarrant before yeah, yeah. and he would say you know what do I do what's what what yeah. what do I need to change and mm. get he's, he's very good at taking advice from his staff yeah so why does he Kind of persist in in this. <laughs> I'm going to make my. I'm I'm going to leave it another 15 minutes before I make my sub. You know. Perhaps yeah. he's trying to make it as difficult as possible. Or say in the league again. And it's an adversity. <laughs> just, I think so. Possibly something like that. He's realised we're all bored with these. You know these eight nil, seven nil wins. Let's let's lose a couple and. Uh, what I will say yeah. about all these complaints about his subs, though, we only say this in hindsight, don't we? Oh, of course if, you do. Yeah. If oh, Silver's free kick goes in, we probably win yeah, that game. We're not talking about it, yeah. any of this, are we? We're talking is, about yeah. another great home of course win. Of it is. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fair point. <laughs> right, well, if City are going to win the title this season after that result against Wolves, they're probably going to have to beat Liverpool home and away. The bad news is that City haven't won at Anfield since 2003. The even worse news is that they haven't doubled Liverpool in quite a bit longer. With the help of historian Gary James, I've been looking at the last City team to do it. <laughs> was City's last win at Anfield. But they lost to Liverpool at Main Road that year. We have to go back a bit further. Now, let's not be silly. City were rubbish in the 1990s. There's no chance it happened then. So the 1970s, perhaps it was the side that won the League Cup and finished second in the top flight. No, it wasn't. Maybe the last City side to win home and away against Liverpool was the great Mercer Allison team of the 60s. Again, no. Sweet, sweet memories you gave me. You can't beat the memories you gave me. Take one fresh and tender kiss. Could it be the City side that reached back to back cup finals in the 1950s? Still, the answer is no. When City last won home and away against Liverpool in the same season, popular music sounded like this. The world was a very, 
very different place. Television broadcasting in the UK was less than five months old. The jet engine didn't exist. There had only been one world war. Edward VIII was still the King of England before both George VI and Elizabeth II. Daffy Duck, Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny were yet to be created. The year was 1937, and City had still never been champions of England. The 1936-37 season was um, started off really badly, actually. City lost the first game, won a couple of others, but then sort of struggled losing two, and then getting a series of draws, and it didn't look like City were really capable of challenging for a title, which was a shame because what had happened over the previous sort of five years, the club had been developing. So we, in 32, we got to an FA Cup semi-final, 33, we got to the FA Cup final, 34, we'd won the FA Cup. And the belief was that the league was going to come. That's football historian Gary James. He says the bad start was uncharacteristic of a team filled with stars too. Frank Swift was the goalkeeper, by far the best goalkeeper in England. You had people like Eric Brook, obviously, who became a, a legendary goalscorer at City. Sam Barkas was the captain. He'd replaced Sam Cowan as captain and he added this sort of extra bite really so remember in the league that City really felt we could achieve something. Gary says that City's season didn't really come together that year until they faced off against Liverpool. It started to pull together really sort of after Christmas and, and City went on a, a fantastic run started around about Christmas time actually where they were not defeated in fact they went all the way through to the end of the season undefeated from then on uh, drawing a few games and, and this sort of brought City into contention. They played Liverpool twice in what was it it was about four days three days and first game was away and City won 5-0 it seemed remarkable given City's wretched record at Anfield that they could have gone there and put on such a show but as Gary explains they did if you look at the match reports they, they sort of talk about City just being dominant really um, one says Liverpool proved no match for City um, it was one of the best exhibitions ever seen at Anfield uh, City had taken the lead in 14 minutes when Alec Hurd had scored and then Eric Brook scored a second and City were rampant. That win got people talking about City as potential title winners. After that match at Anfield, City drew 2 all with Bolton before the return game with Liverpool at Main Road. The visitors took an early lead, but City were quickly level. Cut into the Liverpool echo. I mean, we talk today about uh, football, newspapers, journalists being biased in some way, but Liverpool echo, I'll, I'll just read it to you. In 10 minutes, Manchester had equalised for a penalty kick given against Bradshaw. One of those cases recognisable as the little man, Toesland, falling over through meeting the big man. Bradshaw. It was one all at half time, but by the end it was 5 1 to City. Some people didn't think it was a fair reflection of the game. If you look at the match reports, it goes on and it talks about those goals and how City were, were dominant. However, again, if you look at the Liverpool newspaper, the Liverpool Echo, uh, it, it, it's like the Liverpool Echo claims that City were lucky, that City didn't deserve their 5 1 victory and so on. For a spell in the second half of that game, Gary says that City were irresistible. Nielsen, who was a defender, and he was he was sort of shoved out into sort of attack um, to so that we could show up the defence and make sure that we didn't concede the goal. Nielsen actually ended up heading a goal to make it 2 1. That, according to the Liverpool Echo, was unfair in some ways because he shouldn't have even played in that position, even though he was injured. Alec Hurd made it 3 1 within 60 seconds of that goal, and City then just, I think it was four goals in six minutes, and City just absolutely completely turned it around. There was even more controversy near the end, too, according to the Liverpool Echo. City's goalkeeper, Frank Swift, was knocked out 
twice during the game and the day in sort of minutes um, Frank Swift was receiving treatment on the floor by City's trainer and Liverpool fought the ball across the line. They thought they'd scored a goal. Who knows why play was carrying on with Swift injured. Presumably Swift was off the pitch at the time. It ended up that they thought they'd scored a, a second goal and City's trainer, he starts waving to the referee, according to the Liverpool echo. <laughs> and he says he, he waved frantically to explain his view of the incident. Surely this is the first time in history a trainer has offered verdicts for referee's benefit. That victory put City in the driving seat for the title that season. It meant that wins over their rivals Brentford and Arsenal were enough to see the team home, and they won their first ever league crown by beating Sheffield Wednesday 4-1 at Main Road. City were clearly the, you know, the, the team of the season by some way. They won the title in the end by three points. Um, from above Charlton and this was the days when it was two points for a win so it was close but not as close as we've seen in, in recent years If City are going to win the title this season then you'd think they'd have to win home and away against Liverpool just like they did for the last time 82 years ago and if anybody's looking for omens then it was a shock defeat against Wolves in the October of that year that began to raise questions of the team It's worth mentioning also that Manchester United were relegated that term as well what so many of us would give to see the 1936-37 season replicated this year. Now I'm no longer alone Without a dream in my heart Without love of my own Hi, this is Andy Morrison and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. For a pledge of $2 a month, you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics. There's more details on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. A look there at the last time that city doubled Liverpool. Now, um, we're going to stall, hold the programme for a second and, and uh, just do one of my favourite quick little quizzes. Uh, you can work together on this one. You don't have to, you'd have to worry about competing on this one. Uh, because the simple question is, which of these events happened most recently? So which is closer to the present day? Uh, let's have some, some quiz music. Now, uh, question one then. City won home and away against Liverpool or Morgan Freeman was born? Which is closer to the present day? Uh, we know that City last doubled Liverpool in 1936-37. Morgan Freeman was about 75. Yeah. I would say, even if he's 80, that would only be... So Morgan yeah, Freeman, it's Freeman, yeah, yeah. Free, definitely Morgan yeah. Freeman, yeah. Morgan Freeman is correct. Yeah. Just, he was born in 1937 in the June, one. so it was only a few months after City <laughs> double Liverpool. Question two, which happened uh, nearer to the present day? City won home and away against Liverpool, or Pep Guardiola's father was born? Ooh. You'd imagine Guardiola's father would be eight, eight, in his 80s or something, wouldn't you? Mm. So I would again say Guardiola's father, I would say. It's actually City winning home and away oh, against Liverpool. Really? Uh, Pep's dad was still in nappies at that time. He was, <laughs> uh, he was born in 1932. Um, that's not right, is he? He wouldn't be in nappies at the age nah, of six. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> I was. Yeah. <laughs> still am. <laughs> anyway, yes. Uh, so question number three. Uh, City won home and away against Liverpool. Or the War of the Worlds was broadcast on the radio, allegedly sparking panic. Awesome Wells, wasn't that during the Second World War? 41-42 or something like that. Dan's nodding his head. He's not I sure. Know, I wasn't I, there. I, I, yeah, I know. I wasn't, I wasn't there either. <laughs> Dad wasn't there, right? Awesome <laughs> um, awesome Wells. Uh, War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds again, just 1938. That was, yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so uh, not that far out. Uh, yeah. Question number four. City won home and away against Liverpool. Or Pluto was discovered? <laughs> <laughs> wasn't Pluto before... Wasn't that in- 
Wasn't that nine, like nine twenty, nineteen twenties or something? Though? Ain't got a clue. No, ain't got a clue. I'll go for this. Should we go for City Home and Away? I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is City Home and uh, Away. Yeah, Pluto, Pluto was nineteen thirty. I was tempted to throw in Neptune at like eighteen sixty one. Never know either. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, question number five: City won home and away against Liverpool. All the synthetic material nylon was created, which happened uh, closer to the present day. I think nylon's a nineteen fifties invention. Exactly. I think. So the kits were post war. Nylon one city one at Anfield. No, pure cotton <laughs> and a big leather ball. Uh, yeah, nylon. Nylon, just nineteen thirty-eight. Yeah. It was created, yeah. so it was uh, only a year in it. And finally, the last one: City won home and away against Liverpool. All penicillin was discovered. <laughs> Did we have penicillin the last time that City won yeah, home and away against Liverpool? I've got a feeling penicillin. Wasn't it 1910? Oh, I would have said something like that. Yeah. yeah. 1918 or something like that. Yeah. So City went in at Anfield. Home and away. Home and, yeah. It is. Yeah. It was 1928 penicillin. It's oh, a lot, lot, a lot nearer than you think. Now, you obviously like your top quality coverage of Manchester City. Of course you do. You're a Blue Moon podcast listener. And if you, like us, were disappointed with Sunday's results against Wolves and you'd like to read about why it happened, then you could try The Athletic. They've got a world-class team of writers. Sam Lee is their man covering City, and you all know how good he is. He's also being helped by the likes of Oliver Kay, plus there's things like Adam Crafton's in-depth interview with Micah Richards or Michael Cox's tactical analysis and many others. The Athletic is totally ad-free and there's no annoying pop-ups. If you want to give it a go, then head over to theathletic.co.uk forward slash blue moon and you'll get 50% off your yearly subscription at £2.50 a month and a 30-day free trial. That's what I did. Sam's explaining this week why Ilkay Gundogan isn't the man to blame for the defeat against Wolves, even if that's what we've all just said in the studio a few minutes ago, and why it's actually a more tactical problem for City at the moment with how the defence and midfield have been hamstrung with injuries. He's also looked in-depth at the role of Nicholas Otamendi and how he nearly left in the summer and the knock-on effect that that's had at the club since he stayed. I've also noticed a running theme in a couple of the pieces he's done about the influence of Mikel Arteta at City. So perhaps it could be Pep's assistant who helps Rodri, Otamendi and Gundogan with the tactical tweaks they need in the coming weeks. If that sort of stuff is your thing, then visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash blue moon to receive 50% off your yearly subscription and a 30-day free trial. Welcome to the new home of football writing. It's an international break and we always have, I always sit at home thinking, what on earth are we going to talk about in the middle part of the show with nothing to preview? And then VAR comes along and gives us another oh, yes. weekend of, uh, <laughs> of things to talk about. Uh, so on Saturday, City fans were beginning to get a little excited that they'd have the opportunity to close the gap on Liverpool. Mm-hmm. But then Sadio Mane went down in the box. The referee awarded a penalty, which VAR decided didn't pass the threshold as a clear and obvious error to overturn. My question now is, we were promised consistency with mm. VAR. If nothing at all is passing this threshold, then there's no consistency, surely? No, not at all. I mean, that. whichever way you look at that Liverpool penalty, it was soft, wasn't it, at mm. best? And the bloke makes a total outrageous dive, like he's been some bloke, a sniper shot him from the top of the cop stand or something like that. And for the dive alone, he shouldn't have got the penalty. But <laughs> really, but he got booked. He should have, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he should. Have, he should. Have, you know, I mean, they're, they're supposed to. They're supposed to give yellow cards for diving. He didn't even get a yellow card. So, 
But then we're, we're in this era where, I mean, the protocol of VAR says that what happens is the incident plays out, the referee yeah. makes his decision, yeah. and then it's relayed to the, the team in the VAR studio yeah. who he says, this is what I saw, this is this is basically yeah. my interpretation of it. Yeah. Unless they see something drastically different, they mm. won't advise a change. Mm. So what he said, he, you know, we can assume he said, oh, I've seen the contact on Sadio Mane and he's gone down under the contact, so it's a, yeah. it's a foul and a penalty. Mm. And that is what VAR has seen. Mm. And then you flip it to to the the incident with David Silver at Bournemouth, for instance, yeah, and the referee exactly, describes, yeah. "Oh, I've seen a little bit of coming together between the two. He's yeah. gone down under pressure, and yeah. I, for me, it's it's a coming together." Yeah. And VAR's gone, "Well, yeah, that's what I've seen." But those are two very very yeah. similar incidents. No, one which is actually more a penalty than the other. Than the other, exactly. I think it's totally mad the way they've done it. And yeah. I was I was listening to the show last week, and I, I'm in a similar position to Richard Burns, where I was quite a big advocate of VAR mm-hmm. before they brought it in, and, yeah. and thought it was going to bring a lot more fairness and transparency transparency and consistency to the game and it's done the opposite yeah. I'm just baffled by these decisions yeah. every week and that the Mane one like I can understand why the referee might have seen that with a naked eye and yeah. thought that's a penalty well, definitely, yeah. but you look yeah. at the replays it's not a penalty alright yeah. he's made contact with his foot um, that doesn't necessarily make it a penalty just because no. someone's touched your foot doesn't mean no, you should foul. fall on the exactly. floor and, so and to... you know go down looking for yeah. it and I just think these kind of decisions were a lot easier to take when it was just human error that was yeah. the problem this VAR could eradicate human error mm. they could look at all these instances they could look at you know stuff like that stuff like these handballs you know they could look mm. at the, the goals that he had disallowed uh, against Spurs and say alright he's touched his hand but he's clearly not meant to do that mm. you can judge intent by looking at replay from four mm. different angles and none of that has happened with this VAR. No. It's just no. it's just added more confusion it's just added another layer of controversy mm. I hate the way it's been deployed I hate it I was going to ask Guy have we have we kind of moved away from the spirit of, of the laws of the game and gone and, go, and gone just too in depth on some of them like handballs and offsides which are there basically to mean to make sure that you can't just catch the ball and run somewhere else with it or you know yeah, the, the offside I mean, the, the offside to stop your goal hanging it's not it, yes it's, it's, it's ridiculous I mean it's I mean I wonder personally the Liverpool one on on Saturday um if you've taken into account the fact it's the last, literally last kick of the game, volatile home crowd, and you know, must he sort of think, well, if we don't give this penalty, it'll be a bloody riot or something, you know? I mean, <laughs> you know, the coach, the coach might get damaged on the way out, you know? They, they've got previous, um, you know, you do wonder, and 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 it's it is absolutely nonsensical. It is. There's no, as you say. I mean, I I was an advocate for VAR. I still am, to be honest with you, because I do think. The referees do need all the help they can get. But we're, we're in a situation you know, where if it's going to be inconsistent, then we may as well just let the referees be inconsistent. I mean, on their own. Exactly. why if they're not going to overrule the referee's decision, why mm. did they even check it in the first place? Yes, exactly. And I thought yeah. I saw Keith Hackett uh, tweeting the the former referee uh, about this, and he was saying they've got to use these pitch side monitors. They've got to let the referee referee yeah. the game using the technology. Never mind the guy sitting in in London yeah, yeah, who's yeah. looking at it. Let the yeah, actual yeah. referee yeah. look at the decision he's just made and gone, is that the right thing? Because yeah. that worked really well at the World Cup. It took a bit mm. longer, but I'd rather them take a yeah, long time. Exactly take if it out. means Liverpool only get a point on Saturday exactly. instead of three points. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to ask Dan, is this a genie that's now not going to go back into the bottle? 
Pretty much, yeah, yeah. The Pandora's box has been opened now, hasn't yeah. it? And there's no going back. And I still yeah. think there is there is a more sensible way to do it. You know, yeah. they they can implement these things. You know, with offsides, they can make sure there's a bit more clarity between. You know, not just looking at these frame rates on the cameras. And uh, you know, my my solution for offside would be that only your feet can be offside. I think that is a good way to do it. Well, I was I was going to come to some solutions now because we've got a, a string of problems. We've got offside handball. We've got the penalties. We've got all the transparency issues as well. So we'll start with offside. Because, guy, there's always going to be a line. No matter mm. no matter whether you, whether you say yeah. it's it's clear daylight, no matter yeah. whether you say it's only the feet, at some yeah. point there will always be a, a, a kind of offside by his toenail decision. So how do you stop that? With a little bit of common sense, I suppose. A little bit. I mean, does it does it boil down to something as simply is is the player actually gaining an advantage by being a toenail offside or whatever? Because quite clearly they're not. Like you say... You know, feet. Look for the feet on the pitch. You know, your feet are off. You know, if you stood, your actual foot is stood in an offside position. Fair enough, even if it's only, you know, half your foot or whatever. But to do it for toenails or elbows or whatever is totally I, ridiculous. Because I my, mean, my kind of angle on it was maybe if we do go with feet, like like Dan suggests, yeah. then then maybe you know you draw the line at the at the at the toes of the attacking player and the toes of the defending player. And if it takes more than 15 seconds to decide whether when the ball's played, one's over the other, yeah. we go with the decision on the pitch. Exactly, yeah. That, that would be far more sensible thing. I mean, I think there has got to be, there surely has be, got to be some sort of summit meeting or something to, to sort of radically sort out the, the ifs and buts about it. Because, you know, a decision like Saturday and like some of the ones, a couple of ones City have had this season... Totally nonsensical, really are ridiculous. I mean, they really need to iron out these issues and get because it, it is like you say, it's, it's they might as well not bother with it, they might as well just give it the referee and uh, and the lines people and, and let, let them, them sort it. it between them. Yeah, they, they might as well if, if the VAR is going to be used the way it is now. Okay, so that's offside sorted. Uh, Dan, handball, how do we rewrite the handball law so that you can't just punch a ball into the net and, <laughs> and still have it, you know, still have it count? But we don't disallow those accidental ones like Jesus. Yeah, well, I think intent, like I said, intent can yeah. be judged on a replay. You can tell whether someone's arm was in an unnatural position, and uh, you know whether they intended to to handle the ball. Whether they, you know, if, if you see on a video that someone's punched the ball Christian Negwai style, then uh, <laughs> you know you know what's happened there. Don't that's the real hand of God, by the way. Not yet. <laughs> um, yeah, and 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 with the you know, I don't know why I was of... I don't know why I was thinking about that, but the, the 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 first thing that came to mind was last city player I can think of with all five vowels in his surname. <laughs> yeah, well, quite. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get back to you at the end of the show about that. One. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a lot of during the women's World Cup. I remember there's a lot of panic about these. Um, uh, defenders having the ball kicked at their hand, and and he's going to see ten penalties a game if we're given that. And I I thought the solution to that would have been simply if you get an if you accidentally handle the ball again, you can judge intent by looking at the video. Then it's an indirect free kick inside the box and not a penalty. I love a good indirect free kick yeah, inside right. the box. Not seen one, not seen one in ages. Bedlam. Yeah. So I, I think there's a simple solution to that. Yeah, and I think they've just overcomplicated it and brought this added this new problem to the game that was never there in the first place. So, guy, how do we sort the penalties problem then? Because we've seen a, a string of penalties, some over, some uh, non non overturned, but some very similar incidents. One penalised, one not. It's again, it's it's ridiculous. Just like I think you said, the, the pitch side monitors thing, I think makes a, a more sense than the, the system they've got in at the moment. Um, a penalty like Saturday's, 
I can honestly see why he would give that in real time. Again, I go back to the thing about where it is. Is at home. It's at Anfield. There's fifty odd thousand people screaming at him for a penalty. He's thinking, yeah, I'll give it. But you look at it on the you look at it on the replay, and you're thinking, well, no, definitely not. Is it is it not harder though in that case if you've just given Anfield a penalty to then go and stand in the penalty well, area, make the TV sign, and point can the other just, way? You can stand near the tunnel and just do a quick exit <laughs> and get off. I suppose it is. I mean, I, I think it. I, I honestly do think that. That comes in, you know. Would an away team have got that penalty? Would Leicester have got a penalty similar to that on Saturday in the last minute? But the key is, if if that had happened at the other end and Leicester had gone down and he'd not given the penalty, Mm. then VAR would look at it and go, "Yeah, you're probably right. It's not a penalty." Maybe so. so. Yeah. So again, it's it's shambled. You know, to just say on that one as well, the biggest injustice of the season for City. Well, perhaps not the biggest injustice, but one of the biggest ones of the season was that we didn't get a penalty against Spurs for that foul on Rodri. Yeah. Oh yeah, blimey. Yeah. When was it? Vertonghen or Aldevarel had their arm pretty much yeah, like round and wrestled yeah, to the, yeah. the ground and Neil Swarbrick who's sort of the head of Pigmall is he or something like that yeah. was asked on the Monday by Five Live after the game to sort of justify that decision and he said oh well um, when you look at it he fell forwards which was not <laughs> a natural fall for someone who's been grabbed from behind <laughs> so we, we took it as that he realised he wasn't going to win the header so he's gone down looking for the penalty alright fine if, I think a lot of people call bullshit on that but fine if, that, if, that's, if that's the explanation that's the explanation so how do you apply that explanation to the Mane one at the weekend it doesn't fit does it was it? about three seconds no. between him being touched and falling yeah. Yeah. someone pointed out that it was his left foot that got touched and he fell really? he went down holding his right foot <laughs> it's blatant cheating like, <laughs> it doesn't get much more blatant than that just on the pitch side monitors Dan do we have I mean you're more you're more likely to know this than anybody else but mm. do, do we do we have them in England do we do we do, are they actually there to be used no no they're not no, no. so they, they use them in Italy I think and they use them in the Bundesliga as well um, obviously they use them at the World Cup to good effect I thought um, I can't for the life of me think understand why they've they've not used them in England I think it's to try and save a bit of time one of, one but, of the one of the suggestions that I, I didn't know if we had them or not but one thing that the Premier League did say to me when I asked them about it was they they're trying to discourage referees from from using them simply because that the idea that that you are called to look at a, 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 an incident on the pitch side monitor instinctively makes you doubt that decision. Mm. So you're more likely to overturn it when actually it might just be the VAR team saying, might want to have a second look at this, but actually mm. we're not sure sort of thing. No, yeah, I don't think, I don't, yeah, I don't I don't think that, no, really, because yeah. that's the whole the whole point of VAR is, is to do that, isn't it? I mean, it, I think I've, I've said this many times to people, we've got the same number of officials officiating a game as we have done for like 95 years. And uh, the game's moved on in so many thousands of ways since. And yet the, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the referees are fitter than they were 95 years ago and, and the, the lines persons and all that. But the game is so much quicker now. We need, the referees need assistance. We need, they need video assistance. So it's, as you say, it's got to be done. It's got to be done properly. Nothing's foolproof. Nothing, not no system is a hundred percent nailed on all the time. Absolutely not. But if you get a system like they have in rugby league, where it's sort of ninety six, ninety seven percent right, then you're not doing too bad, are you? You're not doing, you know. One other issue I wanted to talk about was uh, was transparency. Would it would it help us in the current setup if we could hear the discussions? I don't really see a workable way of doing that, really. No. You know, there's so many, so much yeah. sort of like stuff players say to each other on the pitch that would get yeah. picked up by the microphones that you yeah. don't want to hear, really. You don't yeah, want to broadcast yeah. to a TV. You do audience. that in rugby league. You, you do want to hear it. League, but, and it's yeah. a bit, 
It's a bit. I think it's a little bit cheesy, to be honest with you. You get some sort of, you know. But I think they can definitely come out after the game and explain why decisions yeah. have been made. Of course, explain yeah. if they've made the wrong decision. This, yeah. So there's nothing we can do about it now. We're afraid, yeah. but you know, in hindsight, this was Better the wrong decision. <laughs> um, I think people would buy into that a bit more. I mean, I I work with um, like Italian guys and German guys who have had VAR in their leagues for a little bit longer than us. And I said to them, is it better now? And it's like, no, nah, it's still the same, but we're just <laughs> sick of talking about it now. So eventually we're just going to get used to it, I think. Just have a truce. Don't yeah, talk about it. Yeah, yeah. basically, yeah. Would it, so in that case then, if, if the idea is to not undermine the referee's authority on mm. the pitch, is it maybe a good idea to take the authority away from him? Not have a referee. Not necessarily not have a referee, <laughs> but have somebody there to enforce what the video has seen. Yeah, I so, think so. So, re- yeah. so actually possibly referee so. from the video. Yeah, yeah, possibly so. Possibly so. I mean, like you say on Saturday's decision, just immediately put it to VAR yeah. instead of giving it. Immediately. Yeah, I think that is probably a good idea. I think it's probably a good idea, and then they can't sort of because then you're not undermining the, the, the red card or the penalty that's been given. It's, True enough, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't understand why the referee's authority can't be undermined. We're not in the army, are we? It's football. No, like, <laughs> no. If the, the, the end of the day, they're all we're all the, the official team, including the VAR, yeah. should be working together to come to the exactly. right decision, not exactly protecting right. some fella from no, no, no. getting abuse or no, no, yeah. Fair play. Right, well, uh, if you've got any opinions on VAR, and uh, we think you probably do, uh, let us know. Tweet us at Blue Moon Podcast. Send us a message through uh, the website as well, bluemoonpodcast.com. But for now, it's time to move on, and uh, we're going to hear from Howard Hawking on some of Pep Guardiola's very few failings. feel guilty about what I'm about to say. After all, I'm lying here typing this, having pulled a muscle in my back while sitting on the toilet. And yet for some reason I thought it appropriate to discuss the limitations of Pep Guardiola, the intense perfectionist genius, whose knowledge of football even exceeds my knowledge of maize-based snacks. And I know a lot about maize-based snacks. But in for a penny, in for a pound, because here I go. First off, let's make it quite clear that the reason Manchester City won 198 points over the last two seasons is mostly down to one man. After all, this is a squad with its imperfections. You may argue that because of its achievements, this is the greatest Premier League side of them all. But I prefer to phrase it as it being made into the greater side by its manager. A side that performed for two seasons domestically beyond the sum of its parts. Remember that rival fans think John Stones is a liability. In fact, some City fans do. Kyle Walker is rubbish and uses his pace to get out of trouble and is now out of the England squad. Only now is Raheem Sterling a competent footballer. We've used a standing left-back for two seasons, lost our best player for almost one season and many more players besides, especially recently. Bit weird then that the team kept women. So we have our own bald fraud genius to thank for that. Nevertheless, Pep Guardiola is human and like every other human on the planet, he is fallible. And just maybe, maybe, he's got quite a lot wrong this season. And despite what has gone before, if he has hypothetically got stuff wrong, we're allowed to point it out. To be clear, Pep had difficult decisions to make over the summer. Away from the arguments over transfers and not replacing Vincent Company, he had the age-old problem of a successful manager in that he had to keep a bunch of winners motivated enough to keep on wanting to win enough, never to ease off for a second. And that is a tough ask perhaps the toughest ask of all. Alex Ferguson used to change his assistants to keep it fresh on the training field, to try and avoid staleness. 
It seems Pep decided to change his own approach and be Mr Nice Guy for once and cut the squad some slack. I'm guessing that approach has now been abandoned. Either way, it is now not as simple as having the best team or tactics. The bar is so high now that there is no allowance for an off week like in the old days when you could win many a league title despite dropping over 25 points. What's more, Pep has to keep reinventing the wheel as opposition managers find new ways to combat his philosophies and style of play. For Pep, some things are just out of his control. Jurgen Klopp gets consistency from his team by playing virtually the same 11 week in week out, helped by a general lack of injuries to key players. Only a goalkeeper has succumbed so far this season, and there's only a one option when that happens, you pick another keeper. At City, stability is in short supply. Injuries are seen to that, but I still get the feeling Pep has just exacerbated the problems. The Bernardo Silva tweet storm, whatever you think of the tweet itself, was handed terribly by the club, and only one person called the shots throughout that cock-up, and he wasn't called Bernardo. Thus, a player not up to speed this season has been badly affected by a small mistake. The team against Wolves was nonsensical, upsetting the entire balance of a team to try and deal with one problem, the fear of a counter-attack and the pace of the headless chicken that is usually Traore. Thus we played into the opposition's hands, well as they played anyway, and resorted to typical City of old. Traore did not score for 13 months, and it was like the old days when the likes of David Batty would get his annual goal against City, or the team would help out other teams fallen on hard times. After all, look at Norwich's form since beating us. So the 98-point haul comes from Pep, and thus when Pep lets his own ridiculously high standard slip, it's transmitted to the team. After all, can we really believe that against Norwich and Wolves, all the players just happened to be out of form at the same time? Of course not. The system Pep used didn't work. That must be the logical explanation. The cogs in the chain were not connected. Analysis, apparently, from City shows that David Silver does not cover the ground he once did. And why would he expect otherwise at his age? And yet Pep picks him repeatedly. Like any manager, he has his favourites, such as Gundogan and a stubborn streak. The fear of falling behind has also resulted in understandable reluctance to plump for youth, especially Phil Foden, but instead relying on tried and tested players. But that stopped working on occasion, certainly compared to how it used to. And it is surely too much to demand perfection from Pep all the time. As I said, he's human with his own foibles, obsessions and private life to deal with. His wife and child have returned to Spain recently and that must be hard for him. He challenges himself so much that it creates stress for himself and can also create volatility. But whilst I'm loath to suggest any changes that the great man should make, surely there is a better way of winning games than Pep overcomplicating matters when they don't need to be. A trait he's usually been accused of only doing in the Champions League. A left-back was available to play at the weekend. In fact, two were, so one of them should have played. We played a player, Walker, off the back of an illness and it backfired again for the fourth time this season. He tried to give Rodri help and thus imbalanced and slowed the midfield down, and so on. But these days were always going to come. You simply can't maintain the levels of the past two seasons unless the opposition repeatedly commits stupid fouls in injury time or opposition keepers repeatedly throw balls into their own net for you. When City play bad, they lose. When Liverpool do, they somehow win anyway. Not that we can really complain, as City's two worst performances this season have been far worse than Liverpool's two worst, whilst individual mistakes in blue far outweigh those in red. It's hard to claim foul play and hard luck right now. 
And so for City to turn it around, I think assessing the players is something of a deflection from the real issue. Pep is the man to solve our problems, or he's the one that will ensure they continue. He needs to remember what made the team so special last season and the season before, and return to basics. The basics of overloads, of overlapping, of stretching opposition defences, not of endless crosses. Make the opposition worry about us again, rather than smell a weakness and target our Achilles' heels. Oh, and drop Nicholas at Otamendi, obviously. If at the age of 31 you can't comprehend the folly of diving in, then you should be on the football pitch anywhere. Pet might have swanned off to the Maldives, but we all know he won't be relaxing or taking it easy. He'll be thinking about Crystal Palace already. We all know United or Spurs will not do City any favours when the Premier League reconvenes after the international break. So it's essential now that Pep and his players get angry at what happened at the weekend and use a bad result in the same way they have in the past by putting a winning run together. They've done it before and I'm sure they'll do it again. And to do so means that they need to starve opposition teams of chances again and get back to scoring ways. I'm fully confident Pep will ensure that that happens sooner rather than later. This defeat should refocus minds on what is required to win matches every week. Pep has still got a hell of a lot of credit in the bank after all. Hi, this is Paul Lake and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Howard Hawking there. Now it's time to finish with Ask the Panel. Send us your questions at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter. You can email us through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. We're also on Instagram as well now, so uh, do go and check that out, Blue Moon Podcast on there. Uh, first one comes in from Instagram. It's uh, Mike Frankish who asks, is it ever okay to compare results from different eras? For example, can we honestly moan about losing to Norwich and Wolves because the overall picture is much better than it was in the 1990s? Yes, we can moan. Of course we can moan because we've moved on from the 1990s and, um, you know, it's as much as it sort of does annoy me the way people go into overdrive, even City's own fans and um, obviously opposition fans on forums and all, it's like the Christmases have come at once when City lose and they've lost twice already this season. Um, You know, the 90s, we used to lose every week, didn't we? And, you know... It was, to- it was a totally different expectation with the team then. You know, a lot of the 90s were in the second division or, or third division. So, you know, nothing, nobody could have even dreamt of us getting remotely close to where we are now. So, but so, does, does that does that make it okay to, to, to at this stage, go, oh, well, it's another, it's, it's only three points in a, in a season where we're probably going to win some sort of trophy? In a way, yes, because it is still October. It is. We are still in five trophies. We've won one already, haven't we? Mm. Community Shield. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it is. In the fact, it's not even mid-October yet. Yes. We lose one or two more, then maybe not so. But, Dan, yeah. that team in the 90s hadn't had £200 million a year spent on it for about 10 no. years. No. <laughs> I mean... I do think it's important to check your privilege sometimes, as people say these days. <laughs> Expectations have shifted somewhat. Um, I mean, I even think in the sort of current season, I'm kind of really grateful for what's happened the previous two seasons. You know, we exactly, won five yeah. trophies the past exactly. couple of seasons, 198 yeah. points. It, that can't go on forever. And no. you, there has to be a drop at some point. And I do think, you know, there was 
I know uh, Twitter isn't always the best sort of breeding ground for sensible opinions. I saw a few people say Guardiola's got to go after the game, <laughs> after the game the other day, and that's that. You know, that's stuff like that is ludicrous, is it? Even people, you know, we've criticised him on the show tonight, having to go at Gundogan or Otamendi and stuff yeah. like that. It's like you know, these are some yeah, of the best players Otamendi. we've ever had. Otamendi was bad. Yeah. He was bad. He was bad. But give him a break. Give him a break. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 the funny, general. isn't it? Because I I think. We did this a few weeks ago, actually, after when City lost at uh, Norwich, and me and you were on opposite sides of this because I'm actually a worse loser now than mm. I was oh, in the yeah. past yeah. because because of it. my privilege. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting a bit better at it now. I think that that one, the, the sort of pain of that one, wore off quite quickly for me. Yeah, and the, and the same with last Sunday as well. I would say one or two more, then maybe not so <laughs> maybe not so uh, mm. nicey nicey about it. But yeah, I mean, it is it's, it is very early in the season there's no no real mad need to panic and as you say you know if we don't win the league this season I mean Liverpool probably, as much as we might not like to admit this Liverpool probably do deserve a league title for what they've done the last recent years even, even going back to the Rodgers team you know they probably should have won it that year really and they, they sort of were on worst enemies. They were, and, so, they were so unlucky not to yeah. win it last year. Yeah, of course Incredible. they were, yeah. I mean, so, I think Liverpool... You know, I'm, I'm talking worst-case scenario, by the way. I'm not sort of... Uh, you know. <laughs> I think you, you, you'd have to make a very strong case that Liverpool are the best team in Europe at the moment. Oh, I think they're probably better than so, City yeah. this, so. this year, with, with, you know, with this current injury situation and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think, you know, if they if they win it, I, I'm going to hate it, but... Yes, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Win the Champions yeah. League instead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny, though, because... Um, I think back to that Pellegrini final season where mm. they didn't win back-to-back games for, what was it, about five, six mm. months. Yeah. Yeah. And when they started losing games towards you know, towards the, the kind of spring of that season, I was just brushing them off. And I was, yeah. it was just, oh, it's, it's what City do. The, the, there was the one, the infamous one against Leicester. Um, I didn't even go to that. I was feeling ill and I thought, oh, there's, yeah, no, yeah. The, there's no way they're going to... I can see what's going to happen here. Yeah. Leicester are going to get an early goal. Pellegrini's going to give them the run of the midfield <laughs> and they'll... Go three 0 yeah. up, and then you know City might get one towards the end. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And I got slated for saying that on Talksport, <laughs> um, and I, so I wasn't well. And I thought I'm not not going to bother. And I was just I was really I was joking about that that sort of game. But mm. now I like walking out of the ground against Wolves on on Sunday. I was furious. <laughs> I was like, I was kicking stones as I was walking down the street. John Stones, what's he done yeah, to you? Yeah, play next week. <laughs> but you know what I mean? That that kind of proper sulk. Yeah. That yeah. I like, I never did in the past, and I just wondered no. if it, is it the privilege that does that to me? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, we're just not used early. to losing anymore. Yeah. That's the thing. We're not. We're sort of so used to winning all the time, and it's you know, perhaps it's something we we need to do. We need to get feet back on the ground a little bit and realise you know we can't take, win take a good few batterings for the next few weeks I think <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm in the mindset as well at the moment that Guardiola's time at City is coming to an end isn't it yeah. whether it's the end of this season that he goes the end of next season yeah. I can't see him staying much longer than that this is these are the greatest times we are ever going to have as City fans. You've got to cut, try and enjoy them while they last. Yeah, yeah. You know we we'll win some of this year. I don't know what. I don't know if yeah. it'll be the league, the Champions League, or one of the cups or two of the cups. They'll yeah. win something. They'll they'll yeah, they'll yeah. play well. Yeah. You just got to take it as it is, really. And Fair enough. Can't win them all. Yeah. Right. Well, yep. Yeah, I, I want to. So, uh, <laughs> um, finally, Jonathan Blake's been in touch on Instagram to ask: Could it be worth swapping Rodri and Fernandinho around while Otamendi is the only fit senior defender? Putting Roger at centre back, yeah, mm, yeah, it's not a bad shout. I think he can play there. I don't know how often he's played there in his career. Um, I mean, certainly if if Fernandinho is going to be able to sort of dominate the midfield a bit better than him, then it might be it might be an mm. idea. Um, yeah, we'll see. I guess, yeah, I, he is going to have to shuffle the pack somehow or other, isn't he? So perhaps that could be an option. 
Um, maybe. It's worth a try, I suppose. Is, have we got Palace? Palace away. away. I'm, I'm a bit nervous about that game. Yeah, it's a tricky about. one. Tricky one. I mean, we use, win there more often than we don't. So. Do you know only City and Liverpool have taken more points than Palace in the calendar year 2019? Really? Yeah. Blimey. Hodgson has done a really good job. Oh, a brilliant job, yeah. yeah. yeah Are they the job. only team... To, it, was, it was something about the defence as well. They've, they've conceded less at home than City and Liverpool this season. Oh. Yeah, that might be right. Actually, it's yeah, just yeah. On, honestly, I'm I'm really I'm already in that doom and gloom mentality of preparing <laughs> next week's uh, preview show. So don't worry about that. Well, I think part of the uh, going back to the other question just for a second, um, the title running last season was so stressful for me personally. Like I was tearing my hair out every week. You know, we won every yeah. game, but it's and it ended beautifully. I wasn't ready to do that all again, and we're sort of in the midst of that already, yeah. aren't we? Where it's really yeah. every every match counts, and I'm just like, yeah. I can't do this to myself anymore, so I'm just a bit more relaxed about it this year. What, you know, what will be, what will be. I think. Yeah. Well, so. thing is, you got three. If I'm, if I'm not wrong, before we play Liverpool away, uh, Palace away, Villa at home, Southampton at home. Yeah. You're looking for nine points there, surely. You would have said okay. that about Norwich and Wolves, though. <laughs> True. Yeah, but I mean, even even with the the, the Wolves result in the Norwich, you know, they're, they're going to really going to have to sort of sharpen sharpen a pencil now and really focus. Nine points. Want to go in? Got to go in that Liverpool game. Nine points. I mean. Hopefully United get something off Liverpool. I don't know. Do they play Tottenham? They play Spurs. It's like Spurs. They play United Spurs. Yeah. And they're only yeah. two more wins away from taking our record now, aren't they? Yeah, but oh. we did it over one season. There's a split over two yeah, seasons. It doesn't yeah, count yeah. for me. No, the record books will not state that, though, will they? <laughs> the record books will say they won 19 in a row. So. Because because when you've got a couple of months of a transfer yeah, window exactly, in the middle, yeah. nice you could do break. all sorts, couldn't you? Summer so. holidays in between, yeah. Don't yeah. count. doesn't count for me. that one. Right, well, that's it for this week's Blue Moon podcast, and I don't know about you, but I'm actually pretty glad City aren't playing this weekend after that display against Wolves. But it does mean that we've a weekend off to, well, do the gardening or read a book, or so I, I don't know what you do on international breaks these days. Uh, but if you have got a bit of extra time and you want to listen to some more Manchester City podcasts, you can sign up to be a Blue Moon podcast Patreon backer. As soon as you sign up to the $2 a month tier, you'll get access to all of our back catalogue of bonus shows, plus this week's, which is all about the players that uh, we've bumped into out and about on the streets. If you want to be on that bonus show, then you can back at the $10 a month tier and you'll go onto our shortlist to uh, be on one of those shows so check it out patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast if you've enjoyed the show don't forget to rate it and tell all your friends to download it and listen as well special thanks to my two guests in the studio to Dan Burke thank you and his dad Guy Burke You're very welcome I'll be back next week to preview the trip to Palace and the Champions League tie with Atalanta see you then was the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast